Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. If you've heard this hymn before, or this is your first time, this is something that is chanted every Sunday. Through the prayers of my lords and fathers, the apostles, and the rest of the disciples, oh, Lord, grant us the forgiveness of our sins. If maybe you've heard it and you don't think twice about it, or maybe this is your first time hearing it, what, what on earth are we saying? Through the prayers of my lords. Lords? Isn't there only one Lord? My lords and fathers. I only have one father. I have a divine father. I have, maybe I have a biological father. The apostles and the rest of the disciples, through their prayers, Lord, grant us the forgiveness of our sins. Can I come straight to God? I don't need to come to no priest. I don't need to come to ask any lords. I don't need to ask any of that kind of stuff. I can come to God straight for forgiveness. Why do I, what, what's all this mumbo jumbo? Like, why? Why? Just, just simplify it. What's all this? The best thing, in my opinion, the best thing of the, the first century church, the best thing about the Orthodox church, is that we don't come together and just say, okay, let's just start worshiping God and figure out our own way. With all respect to any other tradition, the best thing, that your baptism, your baptism, if we sat down and we have a good 20 minutes together and we have a paper and pen, we can both write down who baptized you. If it's a priest, bishop, doesn't matter. Who, orda who, who, who ordained the, the priest or the bishop? Who ordained that bishop? Who ordained that bishop? That your succession, your continu continuity of your baptism can go straight back to Jesus himself, can go straight back to the Jordan River, can go straight back to John the Baptist, can go straight to Jesus. Your identity as a child of God, your identification as a new birth through water and spirit, through the mystery of baptism, can be documented in a real way. When we ask for the prayers, um, when I say Lord, it's, yeah, it's kind of like Old English, but when I say my Lord, if you're thinking of like the Renaissance, that's someone that you revere, someone you respect, someone you learn from. You're a student of, of, of when you say, my Lord, right? So when we're saying, through the prayers of my lords the fa my, and fathers, the apostles and the rest of the disciples, we make a big deal about the disciples. We make a big deal about the apostles. Two words you, you can kind of use interchangeably. We make a big deal because we see through them their insecurities, their sins, their hesitations, their skepticism. We see that through that, their life was radicalized. Their life was transformed. They're normal people like you and me. But their life was transformed because of their curiosity and who Jesus is. We make a big deal in the church about apostolic succession. We make a big deal about apostolic succession, the continuity and, and how organic and how full our church is in the 21st century, just as it was established in the first century. We make a big deal about that. Just like, think about this. You want to know, like, I, at least the Starbucks next to my house, I mean, I haven't been in there obviously in two years now, but I'm saying when I was, last time I, I was in there, inside, like they have this big sign of knowing like, where the coffee beans come from. 
like a big sign, you know, what, I, I never really read it, but I just saw pictures of like Columbia and like, you know, the beans came from here and then here and there, and now it's in your cup this morning, welcome to Starbucks. That was kind of like the, the, the sign that, that was there. But it, you know, it, I, I, I don't care, as long as it tastes good, you know, you can take my $5. But it, it, people like want to know where your beans came from. Like it, you want to know where it came from. You want to know where your food came from. Don't you want to know where life came from? Don't you want to know where life came from? When people ask me, which is, I, I love this question, and it's a timeless question, and, and I'm asked this at, at, at maybe once a week. Why, why Jesus? Like why, why, like, why? Can't we just live a good life and love each other and be nice? Why? Why, why Jesus? If someone, if a rabbi, historically, Predict, you know, predicted his own death, died, rose from the dead, and then tons of skeptics recorded those events, I'm all in. One more time. This is the most simplified answer. Why Jesus? Why Christianity? If a historical figure predicts his own death, then rises from the dead, and tons of skeptics record the events that has occurred, then I say, time out. Who is this guy? What did he say? What was he all about? Let me kind of dissect these manuscripts of this life of this rabbi who claimed himself to be savior. That's where it all starts. That's the centrality of Christianity. And if I go from there, then I see the establishment and the fullness of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. This is where I see the most fullest organic version of the church due to apostolic succession. And the centrality of all of this begins with the reality of who Jesus is. Your trivia question for the day, Coptic trivia. Who are the two saints mentioned today? Very good, very good. Timothy and Cyril. By the way, I want to make a big deal. Like, I know you're paying attention no matter what, but I just wanted to say, you know, for us to pay attention. If I told you tomorrow morning, if I told you, hey, I want you to get on the church Zoom link at 9 a.m., uh, I'm going to give you, uh, we're going to talk about how you can get your COVID vaccine. But you need to check your email. I have all the details for the meeting for tomorrow. So you need to read the email, the, the notes for the meeting, in order to, before we to meet online tomorrow. Like you need to check your email, read the agenda notes of the meeting, in order for there to be a successful meeting tomorrow. If I told you that, would you report to spam and then an email from Father Nathaniel, ignore, delete? What would you do? You would open that attachment. You would read that carefully before our meeting tomorrow, right? Especially if it said COVID vaccine. If I, if I gave you a title to a meeting that's tomorrow, that was highly important, you would read that email. You would read that email. In the same way, we are coming here for an appointment. We are here for a divine appointment. You didn't just roll out of bed. Maybe. Maybe you just rolled out of bed and just came to church. You, you're here for an appointment. You're, you're here to abide in him. Mystically, and through his word. You're here to have communion in two ways. I want to, to remind myself and all of us. Yeah, are there, are there Sunday, well, I prepare a sermon, it's might different, but do I not read all the readings in full detail? Maybe, but I want to encourage all of us. Like, I, you can gain more from abiding in God. You can gain more from gaining life in him if we come prepared, if we come prepared. I'm saying it's no big deal if you didn't, you had no idea what the readings were, but you can gain more. You can find more life. You can be edified if you read the readings in advance. This is our meeting. 
with the divine. This is our meeting with Jesus. So if we read the lectionary, which is the readings for today, this is where we can find what's our spiritual food. You wouldn't walk into a work meeting with your boss and they begin, okay, everyone, uh, what are your thoughts on the agenda meeting? You wouldn't be like, uh, I don't open it. You wouldn't tell your boss that. Why would we tell our boss that ourselves? Anyway, St. Timothy. St. Timothy the Apostle. I started to, like, have a new honor and respect for my Lord and Father, the Apostle St. Timothy. Here, he is a young guy, a young guy. But being partnered with St. Paul, type A personality so dominant of, of a personality and, and so well in, 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 his, in his speech and his writing. And St. Timothy is, is kind of connected with him. And I had to start to think, like, what made so Timothy be a disciple to St. Paul? What made Timothy so open to being a disciple of, of, of St. Paul? He was open to being one with St. Paul. Do you think that they ever had any arguments? Like, man, we got to go talk to these people again. Man, I'm hungry, Paul. Can't we just go grab some food? Do, do you think they ever argued? 100%. Why? Because I know he was human. He 100% argued. But what allowed him to unite with, with, with Paul is because he decided, he, dis, he determined to, to do whatever he can to reconcile, to unite, to be one with Paul for the sake of the mission. He took him, himself, his brokenness, his, his pride, his ego, whatever, and in order to unite with Paul for the sake of the mission. And sometimes we kind of look past that, as Paul is, 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 is such a great friend and, and kind of a father to Timothy. But Timothy, because of his humility, wanted to do whatever it took to, to connect and be a friend and, and, and bond with St. Paul. Why I want to remind myself of this. It is so easy. It is so easy to live an individualistic life. I want to do my own thing. He doesn't get me. She doesn't get me. Uh, nobody will understand. No, uh, uh, I, nobody understands my situation. It's easy. I'm telling you, I can say this broad because I don't have the guts to tell you one-on-one. -on -one. As much as you think your problem is so unique, it is not. You're a unique person, but your situation is not unique. My struggles are not unique. I'm not the first person, and I'm not the last person on planet Earth. Your problems are not unique. As much as you try to convince yourself, nobody gets me, nobody would understand, I promise you, your problem is not unique. You are unique as a child of God. But you are part of humanity with the same struggles and the same brokenness as all of us. Your problem is not unique. You, a child of God, you are unique as a person. But your problem is not unique. Your struggle is not unique. Don't think you're the, first, you're the only one that's struggling with this. You're the only one that has lost hope. You're the only one that can't get yourself out of this hole. You're not the first. You're definitely not the last. Till kingdom come. Your problem is not unique. Where on earth was I going with that? St. Timothy wanted to become one with Paul. He put down his humility. He realized, I can't let these individualistic mentality or theology or ideology creep into my head. I have, for the sake of unity, I have to be one with Paul. Think of just the language we use in our ancient prayers. May we be, become one. Everything is one. The plurality is one. We say, we believe our Father in order for us to become one. Because let's face it, we live in a life where it's easy to go astray, to drift into individualistic lifestyle. It's easy to drift. But what are we doing in order for us to become one? 
we have to, that's a daily battle. That's a daily battle. That's easy to say, I don't want to do it. I don't want to meet with this person. I don't want to talk with this person. Nobody gets me. It's easy. It's easy to drift. If, if I'm passive, I will naturally drift into that direction. If you need evidence, which you don't because you see it in the world, look at the, 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 the history of the apostolic succession of the church. How did one church, 12 guys, 12 guys, and one leader, Jesus, how did that, for us to come to 60,000 churches, how did, how did that happen? Why? Individualism. Why is there so much brokenness in families, in churches, in friends? Why? We are unwilling to go the extra mile to reconcile. I'm all for what's going on in our culture, unity, love, oneness. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. You put on a t-shirt, oneness, love, great, perfect. Put on your helmet, unity, love it. Take a knee, love it. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I'm all for all that. I'm all for a, a post about oneness and unity and equality. I'm all for it. Perfect. Love it. For it to become a reality and personal is a completely different story. So easy for me to sit in my pajamas at home and post something about unity and love. It's a completely different animal to put it into action. St. Timothy Apostle is someone we honor today. Who is the other saint that we honor today? Cyril the Fourth, or I, I guess in Arabic it's, it's Krolos the, the Fourth, Pope Krolos the Fourth. For, for, for those who maybe are familiar with the name Krolos, we think uh, when we think of Krolos, we think of Pope Krolos the Sixth. Okay, he was a patriarch or leader of the Coptic Orthodox Church recently, relatively recently. Pope Krolos the Sixth. Pope Krolos the Fourth, man, gets no credit. Like his name was taken. The Sixth got all got all the, the the spotlight. Nobody knows nothing about Pope Krolos the Fourth. I mean, maybe this is your first time seeing this picture of him. Like, who on earth is Pope Carolus IV? So the, the patriarch we have now of the church, his name is Pope? Pope Toedrus. So he is the 118th patriarch of the church. He's 118th. Who's number one? St. Mark the Apostle, our patron saint, the writer of the gospel. So, again, talk about clear documentation. The lineage, the succession, the continuity of our first century church in the Coptic tradition is clear. Any scholar, any historian, there's clear documentation. From the writer of the gospel till the 118th Pope to Edgers, there is a con continuity of the church. So that's 118th. Now we were rewind eight patriarchs back to the 110th one, Pope Krolos IV. I want to share some things about him uh, that I learned about him this week. He was assigned to go to Ethiopia in order to reconcile, in order to unite with Christians in Ethiopia. He, he, took, he got out of his comfort zone, out of, out of the comfort zone of his own culture, his own language, and went to Ethiopia in order to unite with Christians there. Talk about coming out of your comfort zone. Uh, what I love about this is that it shows the church was not exclusive. Uh, sorry, the church was not inclusive was just worrying about, you know, just Egyptian people, just Egypt, just Cairo, just, uh, you know, for us to be comfortable in church. No. They were thinking, how are we extending love to others, even though it might be uncomfortable? This is what Pope Carlos IV did. Just to show you, and by the way, you know his title? So this is around the year 1861. He was pope for about 14 years. He is called the Pope of, of Reform, or the Pope of Reformation. That, that's like kind of his title, and I'll kind of explain why in a little bit. This is a funny thing, just uh, for the sake I want to share. 
He was the first uh, person in, in Egypt to bring a typewriter. He was the first one to bring a typewriter from Germany. Like he ordered a, a, a typewriter from Germany and he was like the first one and like historians document it was like a big uh, procession to bring in the first typewriter. Why, why was Pope Corollas a big deal about bringing a typewriter in? He was the biggest advocate and leader for bringing women education to Egypt. Like if you ask any Egyptian historian, they say what was the, the spark to bring women education? It was Pope Corollas. So he opened up multiple schools just for females for them to be educated, not just theologically, but just in, in the sciences and liberal arts as well. So, but I don't want to bore you with history. I just found it very fascinating that, that a church leader was being so uh, progressive as far as where to move the church in the year 1861. Okay, we're not talking about a few years ago. Another thing he did is some of our hymns of our church, mo most of our hymns you can trace back pharaonically. Like the origin of the music is, is from the pharaonic times. Many of our hymns, though, a dozen of our hymns, come from the Greek Orthodox Church. Why? Why the Greek Orthodox Church? Pope Krolos went to the Greek church and he says, hey, we want to become one with you. We want to unite with you. For me to unite with you, I will lower myself down and I want to take some of your hymns for us to chant in our churches. Think about that. Imagine today that we took hymns from, from you know, Roswell Baptist Church and then we said we want to chant them in liturgy in order for us to become one. Don't take my words out of context and get me into trouble, but you know what I'm saying. Imagine if we did that. This is exactly what Pope Corollas did in the, in, in the 19th century. He went to a local church in which there was a wedge, a division. He says, we want to become one with you. I will lower myself down to you. I want to chant your hymns. And then he would go teach his deacons this, this, this weird Greek hymn in order for them to chant it, in order for them to become one. At a macro level, unity, love, power, like all, all, all these nice, flashy, attractive words that we see on, on social media, on, on jerseys, perfect. I love it. I love it. Bring that down to a lower level. Bring that to an application, to your family, to your friends, to where there is a wedge, where there is a division, that you've said, I'm done with this person. Apply that. It's easy. It's easy to see it on a nice Instagram story. It's so easy. It's so nice. I love it when I see it in sports. Apply it to your life. It's hard. Make it harder. Reconciliation, oneness, is hardest at a person level. Macro, family, friends, personal. Where do you need to reconcile with God? Where have you said, this is me, life? This is the church part. This is the, the Christian part of me. But this is me. I want to I hold on to this. Church this, sure. You want a few bucks in my, 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 my finances? Sure. You, oh, you want to serve in this way? Sure. You want to come to church every now and then so I don't feel as guilty? Sure. But this part of my life? Mm-mm. What part of your life needs to be one with your heavenly Father? What part needs to be reconciled? This is the hardest. Don't get lost in the noise of unity at a macro country level. I'm all for it but it begins with the person, not the individual. Not the individual. Individual, if you look at the etymology, the root of the word individual, it's divided. Individual is someone who is, who is torn. Individuality. We live in a world where there's a chronic disease of hyper-individuality. It's my way or the highway. That's individuality. In reality, we are a person desiring to be united to the being. We are a person. 
desiring to be united with the being. What are we doing about that? What part of your life are you wanting to hold away from God? Make sure he's arm's length apart. It is now. It is this morning. It is today. What part do you need him to come into your life? What aspect of your life that you're hiding away from others? Or are you even hiding away from yourself? Is it your finances? Is it, your, is it a habit? Is it, is it an insecurity? What is it that you are hiding away from your heavenly father? Nothing makes him more happy. Nothing makes him smile more ear to ear when I say, I cannot do this alone anymore. I can't hold on to this aspect of my life anymore. But I belong to you. I've been trying to live this dual, dualistic life, and I can't do it anymore. I'm either all in or I'm letting go. You have to decide. Are you all in to be reconciled? Look at this prayer. O God of love and giver of the oneness of heart, provider of the oneness of mind that is a virtue, who has granted to us the new commandment through your only begotten Son, that we should love one another even when it is painful, that we should love one another even as you have loved us. We are undeserving. We are lost. But how did you express love? You gave. You didn't say nice fluffy words that made everyone feel so nice and warm inside that you love us. You gave. We ask you, my Lord, my master, grant me your servant. For all the days of our life, oh, the rest of my days, however long that might be, but especially right now, give me a reasoning. Give me a logic that remembers not the earlier evils. I want to have a reasoning. I want to have a thought process that I'm not holding on to my past life, my past sins, my, my past weight that's pulling me down. I don't want to have that reasoning. I don't want to have that logic. Give me a reasoning that remembers not the earlier evils. I want a conscience that's not hypocritical, where I live a double life. I want truthful thoughts. And I want a heart that loves the brethren. That as we give a spiritual greeting, as we greet one another in a horizontal way with those next to you, that we can greet, that, that we may flee from the likeness of Judas. Who is Judas? Living a double life. But having been reconciled to one another in the likeness of your holy disciples and apostles. How can we reconcile? We have an image. We have a, a, a mentor. If we look at the disciples and apostles, how did they reconcile? With one another and with you. In purity, we are purified and we become sanctified. We become whole. We become divine. We become restored through the mediation of the life giver, the Holy Spirit. Ask yourself today, what part of my life needs to be reconciled? Do not get lost in the noise of love and unity at a macro level. Make it a person level. To him be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.